A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. We have to understand God rightly to know him intimately. It is the gospel that orients my thinking on every other issue. You can know if you're trusting in Jesus that every single atom in this universe is working for your good. That's why I'm sticking with Jesus. Not because he always does what I want him to do. I'm sticking with Jesus because I just haven't found any better alternative. Okay. Wow, who's who's crunching paper for these? Oh, that's me. Hello. Season five, episode seven of the Black Bureau podcast. Very Ooh. different layout because we're not in mm. a studio. Um, we're actually doing this virtually. Um, shout out Dapple. Dapple's in America having a great time, and we didn't realize yeah, that yeah. his studio's closed. So, in an effort not to like delay any more episodes, we thought, you know, let's go back to kind of what we were doing during COVID. So, yeah, hey, shout out. <laughs> Shout out COVID, I know, right? It was really, this was literally birthed during COVID. So, so I'm in here with what? Femi and Israel. How you guys doing? Yeah, man. Good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing okay. Israel, first of all, it's good to have you on the episode. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, Yeah, I'm good. I feel like I'm back to normal. I kind of went away. I mm. went to New Orleans for some, like, four days. I won't bother you with the... the oh, I've been to New Orleans. Nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. Well, Mardi yeah, Gras. It is no, nice. wait, did you go for Mardi Gras? No, no. I went for Essence Fest. Essence Fest. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I went for Essence Fest. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I went, yeah. it was Essence Fest as well. I didn't go for Essence Fest. But it was, I remember it was on when we were there. Oh, did you go for like a family stuff or? Yeah, my cousin got married. Oh, yeah. sick. No, I yeah. had a good time. I had a good time. Fortunately, I wasn't there for long because our flights mm. got cancelled. Um, mm. But I had a good time. Don't worry, I'm fighting BA for the compensation and American <laughs> Airlines. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good time. Um, Israel, how have you been? Been okay. Um, yeah, been a lot of changes over the summer that I've been okay. managing. So still in the US and yep. w- waiting, I think about f- a month now to baby stew. So... Wow. A lot of anticipation there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's been quite. I don't want to say humbling, but um, like a lot of sober reflection this summer. Just as Such to an introspective man. Uh-uh. <laughs> what 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 has caused what has caused the the sober thoughts? I I mean it's mostly stemmed from uh, thinking about child rearing and newborns and and all of that um mm. but i think it's oh so there's a this is gonna this is me being nerdy again so there's a there's a um study that's showing that the, the time that people are most likely to convert into religion are i there's two periods in time where they're most likely to convert to religion after the death of a, after the death of a loved one mm. and then after the birth of a child Oh wow! I definitely would guess the first one, but yeah, I wouldn't assume yeah. the second one. But and at least the the study's rationale was basically that there's this overwhelming sense of responsibility for someone else's life, yeah. which is that you know th- this child's life for the first you know how many years that they're under your care is entirely under your control, not yeah. theirs. Um, at least you know, and for us, we're so used to my life is under my control. Like I'm picking what I want to do. I'm picking which university i want to go to i'm doing this and that but you're now in charge of someone else and that's yeah i don't know that that sort of 
makes you just realize just how human you are. Um, and it makes all your little flaws really scary. Like, oh, you know, I have this problem and I can talk through it with a friend when like I get angry or something, but I yeah. can't do that with a four month old. So all of a sudden <laughs> I have to be so much more careful yeah. <laughs> about my own flaws. It makes your flaws like, yeah, it's just things like that, essentially just realizing how um, significant that is. So yeah. Pray for no, I hear it. No, no, definitely you will need to keep you in prayer. And I feel like with with a lot of the I don't know, I spend too much time on TikTok, but you see a lot of like <laughs> therapy, mental health, mm. self-care, a lot of older reflections that people are having around their childhood. And it really does mm. Yeah, it really does emphasize like the importance of parenting and good mm. parents and how yeah, bad parenting can really destroy mm-hmm. children's lives. Um so yeah, no, definitely we'll be praying for you. Femi, how are you? I know you, I don't know if you want to tell us, but you had like, um, shout out your wife. Yeah. Because you were supposed to have a barbecue this summer, but it's this Sunday, but you got surprised? Yeah, I got flew. I got flewed out. I got flewed out. Oh, <laughs> not getting flown out. Flights over no. feelings. Sorry, flights over feelings. I got, I got <laughs> yeah, catch flights, not feelings. Soft flights, soft flights. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, nah, it was my birthday on Sunday, go on. Happy birthday, birthday. Happy birthday. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I planned like a gathering um, at my flat on my actual birthday, um, and not not knowing that my wife had already planned for, for months before um, mm. to like us to go out like on a weekend, like trip away, whatever. Um, so I was like persistent, like, oh yeah, we're doing this for my wife because I don't, I generally don't um, try not to do like celebrate my birthday too long after my actual birthday. I don't know, I'm weird like that. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, nah, let me just do it on my birthday <laughs> kind of thing. My wife was like, nah, why don't you do it the next week, blah, blah, blah. But I was like persistent because I didn't see any reason not to do it. <laughs> so um, so I planned it, sent out messages, all that stuff. Um, um, my wife basically went behind my back and told all the people I messaged that, no, nah, we're not doing it. Because <laughs> we're planning out. Um, we're, uh, well, we're doing it the next week as opposed to the week I was planning to do it. Um, so yeah, uh, it was a lovely surprise. Had a good time. Uh, it was a short trip, but it was good fun. How were you mm. surprised? Like, were you? She just told me. You no, know, um, she she gave me like a bunch of like boxes to open, and I was like, it was like clues to where we were going, what we were doing, and then eventually, you know, it was like, oh snap, <laughs> like did it make sense? And I was like, oh wait, what? <laughs> and then yeah, it's funny because um, uh, there was a part where I was like opened like one of the boxes or whatever. And it was a passport, and then I clocked, oh, we're going away somewhere. I was like, oh, cool. But are we gonna be back for Sunday for my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, forget about that Sunday, please. Obviously, it didn't click, and I was like, oh, so what? Well, the thing that I've been planning is not happening. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, your wife. I love surprises like that. To be yeah, fair. that was really cool. Surprising when you're getting flown out is very funny. But no, it was. It made me laugh because you you sent a message and then your wife, bless her, like messaged me and was like, don't come <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. It's not. It's a surprise, yeah, and I'm just yeah. thinking the effort she would have had to have gone. Yeah, it's a random I made, guy. I made it a random guy could have just shown up, but no, shout out your wife, man. That's that is beautiful. That is beautiful. No, no one showed up. I don't think that you think that you know <laughs> of. Now you've got someone beefing you. In it, in it. They won't even say. I was going to say something, but I stopped myself. Quickly. I don't, <laughs> I don't get cancelled. I don't get. Nobody cancelled. was there. Uh-huh. Um, oh, that is so funny. Um, yeah. but yeah, what we guys, what are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? Talking about church. Mm-hmm. Israel, I feel like you were you said no. you were reading something that that's that oh. sparked this almost. Yeah, yeah. Um so 
this is again nerdy stuff, but one of my one of my late hobbies is watching the since COVID. I should clarify that since COVID, um, or, you know, basically everyone who has a meeting live streams it now, um, and so a lot of the nominations live stream their um, annual meetings where they give give updates, you know, make resolutions, all of that boring legislative administrative stuff um and so on have debates and the rest of it and so i'm making my way through a couple of them uh i finished one the denomination i'm I'm a part of anglican church in north america currently making my way through the church of england that one is the their general synod which is interesting um and then also started the episcopal church united states there's a couple others that i might listen to but the most interesting one so far as far as like significance for the future of the church is the Episcopal church in the United States gave a presentation on numbers and um, changes. And basically they undershot all their predictions about decline. So they are declining quicker than they are, than they expected. Okay. Um, and, and it's something to the magnitude of like 40% in the last decade. Um, some of that, I'll, I'll say a good chunk of that is the whole urbanization situation, which is true for the Church of England too. People are moving to cities. And so you yeah. get rural contexts where you can't just sustain a church. Or in the Church of England with the parishes, you get one um, vicar looking after seven different parishes, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So a lot of it is that, um, but also a lot of it is just decline. So they've had um, only one diocese has had a conversion in the last year, I think something like that. Um, and that's like a regional section of the of the denomination. Um, they have more uh, funerals than baptisms. And even most mm. of those baptisms are infant baptisms. And that's the same for the Church of England. There's only one diocese in the Church of England that's growing, which is London. And that's only north of the river, I should say, south of the river is Southwark. Every other region of the Church of England is in decline. Um, and so between the Episcopal Church and, and the Church of England, listening to this has been really um, sobering. <laughs> At one point I thought to myself, um, is this really the time to become a pastor? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, imagine, imagine being on like a, a Zoom call and they're like, you know, the, the career prospects, you know, at the moment the market is, is, is shrinking and this economy is shrinking. And this, are you ever thinking, is this what I should, yeah, is this what I should be going into? This is what I've been studying how many years for, you're telling me. It's, about it's to jump wild. into it. Yeah, um, I'll show this one last fact and then dive into it. This is the so for the Episcopal Church, the big it's not even the, the emptying of buildings that's the biggest threat, it's the lack of ordinance or, or people interested in becoming um deacons, priests, and pastors, and mm. so on. Um, half of all Episcopal clergy are due to retire in 10 years, half. Within the next ten years, half of them are going to be retiring. Wow! And that's that's a wow. straight fifty percent cut in in clergy. That's significant. Like <laughs> this, yeah, is what, that's this is why I'm like, is this really the time to be good? Like that's a lot of people. And so, this was going to be pastor out here, pastor in six churches. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that, that thing is not sustainable man um but yeah so and that just says so much about how not only how people are leaving the church 
um, but also how people, there, there isn't a movement into the church. And even I think with, for Christians inside, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think about this. I think there's a hesitation to really emphasize one's Christianity now. Like if yeah. someone can help it, they don't want to be a pastor. And not just because they don't like the Bible, they don't like church. They're like, you know what? I'm not really trying to stand out like that and fight the culture like that. I just want to live my life, have a good job and just, you know, stay under the radar because the church is sort of like caught up in a lot lot of the culture wars and a lot of the tensions Mm. in society. Well, that's very, very interesting. I mean, in terms of all these, these different, um, what, what did you say they were called? Like what yearly reviews or annual reviews? Yeah. yeah, Annual meetings. Yeah. Annual meetings. Was there any, of course, there's there's a sense in which they've all kind of presented that from the clergy to, to membership is falling and that, you know, from their perspective, naturally, the future of the church or the, the state of the church seems like it's in, in, in dire shape. Did, mm. they, did they offer any kind of reasons or any, yeah, any reasons why they think this is the case or do they point to anything that is is what's probably driving this? Yeah, um for the Episcopal Church, they because it's, it's slightly different for the Church of England, but they really emphasize the urbanization narrative, which mm. again I think it has truth in it, but I also feel like they're yeah. overemphasizing it um, because a lot of so you know a lot of their or not even a lot their cathedrals, which are usually in big cities, are thriving. They're big. They've got lots of money. They've got um, more than enough employees and all of those things, and it is the rural areas um, that are really struggling. Struggling. Um, but also, you know, when, and this is true for all, I think it's true for all denominations. The youth don't stay in the church after mm. 18. Like, mm. and, that, and that's yeah. a significant problem. Um, a lot of people try to you know, figure out how do you do youth ministry in a way that actually retains teenagers when they become young adults. And, um, yeah. and, that's, and they mentioned that a more conservative denomination would say, you know, the university, you know, liberalizes them and then they abandon Christianity when they get to university or whatever. Um, and I mean, there's, I think there's some truth in that, although they would probably phrase it differently. Um, the Church of England, I don't know, man. I, I, they would, the leadership, the top leadership, like the Archbishop of Canterbury and, and so on, would say similar things that the Episcopal Church says. However, mm. a lot of the like middle range leaders, like pastors of prominent churches, um, those who are like suffragan bishops, assistant bishops, have just noted that the Church of England is not on mission in terms of actual church work. They've poured a lot of money into, um, what do you even call this? Sort of like bureaucratic projects as opposed Mm. to funding um parishes so for the first time ever i believe um clergy unionized to fight for a pay increase because there's been a pay freeze in the last like 15 years no everybody's striking bro (laughs) (laughs) these clergymen said bro have you seen the doctors bro have you seen the nurses you know it's 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 wild um the sort of standard pay for for a vicar is 25k with housing so that does make a significant difference um but that's been the same since 2013 at least um and so in 2013 if you're if you're earning 25k and you're earning 25k now in real terms you're only yeah. earning 18k 
and you need to go up to 40 to match what you were earning in 2013. Um, yeah, but, but that's a lot of money. The money, it's ministry. No, I mean, if you can't feed, if you can't feed your kids, you're not going to go. In. And this is, and people saying, this is why people, not, this is why people aren't going into into ministry. I was going to say that. How are you going to feed your children on on this? And it's, and it's frozen, so there's no prospect mm. of increase. I go to um, my my churches um church in England as well, but um my um my the senior world, the main pastor and. I think all the full-time staff are all um, funded by the church. They're not funded by the church wing at all. And mm. uh, I, I always find that interesting because they have, I think they have, um, I don't know if it's, the, they, I don't know if it's a severed relationship with the church of England as mm-hmm. uh, organization or they, that's just a decision that they made. I think there's a bit of both. <laughs> um, um, yeah. with it. So even though they would still class themselves as a church of England church, I think obviously, with the state of the Church of England in general, um, they've kind of made decisions to, yeah, again, not completely separatise, but definitely stand away from some of the things that they have stated and believed. But anyway, that's another thing. But yeah, um, yeah, so yeah, it's interesting that you talk about the salaries and stuff because yeah, um, our pastor doesn't, it's completely funded by grants, mm. basically. Yeah. yeah, I feel like more churches are doing that. Um... So there's yeah. a lot of bureaucratic problems in the Church of England, and it's, and it, you know, interestingly enough, it is the more evangelical churches that have created alternative structures so that they can yeah. continue to raise up leaders, and they are the ones who are raising up the majority of leaders. Um, Holy Trinity Brompton accounts for like seventy percent of all ordinands in London. Um, wow, that's from one church i mean and from their network and they have sort of like church plants and, and all of that stuff mm. but they have that sort of similar structure that allows people to say oh i can go into this and i can do it and i yeah. can get the support that i need and um actually develop as a minister and so on that's very that's challenging because uh, yeah. as you're talking i'm thinking what young pastors under 40 do i know mm. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I'm thinking of like even when I depending on denomination um yeah I'm just thinking yeah I don't know that many people I know people who are very much involved in ministry and, and may right. eventually move into full-time but I don't know many full-time um, or everyone but I think I want to be careful in our yeah I'm trying to figure out how many black but then I live in London and it does feel like everyone's chasing the bag yeah. Um, and people are really catering. People are really. Ca- I was even someone was even talking to me recently and telling me that their their sibling wanted to do something, and they were like, "No, don't do that. Do this." And if that was purely oh, driven uh, by by the, salary, yeah, yeah. And you're just thinking if that pressure is there, and people are generally thinking, "Okay, I need to I live in London. London is so expensive." Mm. Even you know, many people may argue the UK is expensive. Can I really think of vocation, or must I now be thinking of what hey, will give I, me the I, most? I think it's telling just how people see that the vocation of, I guess Israel already alluded to it, but like how people see the vocation of pastor or vicar or priest or whatever it is. Because mm. the truth is, you can be a Christian and be quite involved in your church, um, even do, yeah. like, do evangelism, serve on so many teams, and feel quite comfortable with that. Because uh, you can still do that, mm. or even be on a podcast like Black Bria. <laughs> and, still, and still feel like you're doing ministry in a sense yeah and i still earn your bag um and still so I, i'm just thinking that is the like yeah the calling to do something like that because the calling that might be within us as christians to mm. do ministry 
um, may still be within us, but because we mm. don't, we don't see the the weight of something like being a pastor or being a priest, whatever, as like that high and stay. Uh, so for whatever reason, or even just the idea of it being like super stressful and like you know maybe not as you know um, rewarding as it can seem like. Maybe that's what's like yeah, because I could I could feel I can feel quite satisfied in my Christian walk, you know, serving in my church, doing Black Maria, whatever it is that I'm doing, and feel like that's my gift to God. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be a pastor yeah. or something like that, or even an elder. I don't need to go, I don't need to go and do that, really. So, um, yeah, is that calling still there for people? Because even when I, like, joke, like, with friends and stuff like that, I say, oh, like, you know, you, know, you do like, that thing of, oh, that person that knows their word a bit, a bit of the theology. Mm, the theology the group. The theology <laughs> And you're like, oh, where, where you start your church? And it's like, nah, never, never. Testing <laughs> so, so, aside, obviously, like, yeah, for most people, it is never. Yeah. Like, they, they wouldn't be a pastor or whatever. So, I, I, which is understandable. And there's many reasons why people wouldn't want to go down that path. But is there, like, a narrative or a stigma that puts off people that actually maybe should, you know? Maybe, maybe like, that's something that you could actually do and, you know, God could use you so much yeah. more, like, because yeah. of this all this stigma around it. And it could be chasing a bag, it could be, you know, you know, yeah, or a bunch of stuff, dealing with people, whatever it is that's just putting people off. It's interesting. Um I yeah, I think you're right in that definitely, you know, each Christian has their own calling. And there is a need for Christians to be in the marketplace in that sense and to be involved in ministry. Um and mm. frankly, we need more of that too. Um but yeah. I've I've heard people say um, that maybe the future is also bivocational ministry, um, where we don't emphasize full time as much as we used mm. to. And I'm not sure where I land on that just yet, but I definitely hear that. What do you I think? I don't Mary? land on it. I don't. I just I feel like full time. It's not. It's not to say, and I don't definitely don't want to diminish people who aren't full time or or who serve as much as they can. So the person who's on Sunday, um, teas and coffees, welcome team, worship team, they are definitely serving Jesus. Definitely don't want to diminish that. But the role of a pastor, um, I think it demands a lot. I mean, if you are, uh, what is it? Like a, a under shepherd, um, you, you have, you have people under your care. I just don't want to be now trying to call my pastor and thinking, Oh, he's got that meeting he said or he's in hospital or like or he's like he's got another job um because mm. it's so it's so demanding and I, mm. I, I get if it's I get you know you might be in a church that has multiple um elders so they can actually share the load but most most churches I've been in don't have more than three elders um yeah. so you do need you need someone to be full-time I think it's from what I've seen, and I, even when you think about the role, and I, I've, I remember reading recently around like pastors who deal with burnout and how it's kind of something that's always hidden, but a lot of pastors secretly deal with a lot of burnout. And I, was, I think there was some, I can't remember what the statistic was around like pastors who actually leave because of burnout. Um, but it, it's such a demanding role that I think to only want to do it by vocationally, I think will present a lot of challenges. Um, I was just thinking about like during the pandemic and how a lot of people were going through things and me knowing I had a, a pastor that is full time and I could message him, I'm not like being a burden. 
it would be mm. I would feel vastly different if I knew that my pastor has another full time job and likely married and has kids and has like mm. siblings and people around him. Um, but I do I do understand that if the shift if there is a shift that doesn't mean that the what the bivocational pastor will do doesn't have any effect. Of course it does. I know pastors who who serve part time and and do great, um, and I'll definitely benefit in the body. Um, Sorry, if everybody's there. No, no, I was just gonna say, and obviously, some churches can't afford. Maybe, yeah, no, of course. Food. I mean, there mm. is that sense. Unfortunately, if you can't afford a full-time pastor, then you will take whatever you'll get. Um, yeah. But I would, yeah, I mean, the idea of having multiple full-time pastors just for like discipleship, counselling, preaching of God's word, mission work, church work—it's just it's beautiful. But I, I get the fact that in reality, it is actually quite hard mm. to have multiple full-time pastors um, in a church. Well, I mean, at this rate, at all. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think about that, Israel? Around like, because to be fair, like growing up, when I was growing up in my in my Pentecostal church, I mean, yeah, we had one pastor. I mean, we had multiple pastors, but like our main pastor was full time. But then the other pastors around him, which may have been like eight to maybe seven to eight pastors, they were all working. Um, but there was still quite a lot of them, so they they definitely were serving quite heavily. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of like, yeah. Yeah, what do you think about that, Israel? Just like, could the... you, for example, like you've just you've gone to seminary. Like, could you hmm. could you envision a world where you're working and a pastor, like working in in like a non ministerial role? Yeah, I think it would just. Rec- it's not impossible. Um, mm-hmm. I I agree with you that I don't think it would be preferable at all um, because a lot of ministry is pastoral presence, and mm. being available is actually a very significant part of pastoral ministry that you can call like you said you can call your pastor when something happens and they can rush down to the hospital they can rush down to your house they can you know pray with you over the phone even something as simple as that because if they're in a meeting like you said they're that now all of a sudden they're in this sort of tension point um mm. the bivocational vision in my mind only works best if there's multiple bivocational ministers yeah. um, who are highly coordinated like highly coordinated um where one even has like a you know um a work from home flex job that allows them to bounce around and then you know i don't know the main preacher is maybe a bit more constrained for time with their work it just it it would take a lot of organization and unfortunately that's also not probably the you know what churches are known for when it comes to um, organizing themselves so mm-hmm. yeah i don't know um but i don't want to be too harsh but it, it it does create hesitations one of the um which i want to ask this 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 is like to connect to the point of people leaving as well leaving the church mm-hmm. i think not having a lot of young pastors uh, relatively speaking in this generation is also, I, I think, partly why it's, it's hard for people to see themselves returning to the church who have left. Yeah. Because I and I think a lot of preachers don't handle current issues well. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to a sermon where someone just says something, I'm like, that's not the way to go about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. no, like, no one is going to receive that well. Um, and I almost, I almost want to say, like, it, 
there's a there's a part of a fresh generation of preachers pastors that allows the church to speak to the present reality because those people are yeah. part of that particular um generation um i know there's more to people leaving the church and not coming back um but i don't know how how you both have felt about the church's capacity to actually yeah. respond well to cultural issues and so on Oh, I don't know about like responding well to cultural issues, but I have I have thought a lot about um, why you know people, kids, I guess to an extent, turn eighteen and then not come back to church mm. after they died. Moved. I remember, I remember. It's, this is always sticking my mind. Maybe it, it might always stick in my mind because I've worked with youth and young people so much in church settings and outside of church settings. So it's probably something that resonates with me a little bit more. But um, I remember a video from Voldy Bochum years ago and him talking about youth church and how much <laughs> that kind of like... So I'm not even saying I completely agreed with what he was saying, but that always, like, that always stuck with me. So he, he Voldy Bochum, for those that don't know, is an American pastor. Um, um, and he said that a part of the reason... Basically, he was off the belief that he doesn't believe in youth church. Right, just um, mm-hmm. funny because I didn't grow up going to youth church. Um, there wasn't a, there wasn't such a thing called youth church. I'd visited other churches that had youth churches before, and I thought it was amazing. I remember being young and thinking, "What? Like it's just it's just the kids. It's just us in church." That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't I didn't grow up with it at all. Um, the churches I grew up with, um, we had like what you would call Sunday school, but then we would join the adults for the main service. So we didn't have like our own service mm. under what like, a lot of um, other other churches do now, um, and he was against it. I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, I I I resonated with it because I never experienced it as well. Um, I was thinking, "Oh, so like, why why is he against it?" Um, and his kind of idea was, "Oh, you know, it, I can't remember. I'm, like, I'm going to badly paraphrase his point. So I'm not actually not going to say his point because I just can't, I haven't watched that video in a long time. But the message about youth church was." Um, these kids, these young people, they spend all of their church upbringing in youth church, never really engaging with the adults in church, listening to the pastor, um, yeah. being in, in, um, engaged in the actual main service, and they get they turn eighteen, still kids, <laughs> really, if we're being real, um, and then they're thrown into the adult service, and they've never experienced anything like that before. You don't you don't turn eighteen and become become an adult. In terms yeah. of thinking, in terms of even how you engage, how you engage with, if you've been engaging with this idea of God and Christianity in what one way for eighteen years, which is you know, you know, I don't I don't know what happens in all youth churches, so I'm not going to make a blanket statement, but it's a bit more fun, it's a bit more loose. Um, yeah. You're hanging out with people that you're pairs. Um, you're talking about issues that are more related to you, which is all like I'm not even saying any of those things, but if that's all you've experienced and then you get told okay you're 18 now go join the adults and it's like it's very very especially when it's very very different that's a hard adjustment for people and what what you know i've seen from even from working with youth ministries before is what ends up happening is they either leave the church and don't come back or as in the church whole as in they don't go back to any church or Mm -hmm. they find churches that are more suited to their demographic 
um, which may be a, a church that has more young people or has a younger pastors or blah, blah, blah. If they can't find that, they find it hard to settle. Um, so I, th- I think there's elements of truth in what you're saying, Israel, in terms of our, our church is equipped to deal with a lot of the issues that young people are maybe facing. Do we have young pastors that are more in tune with what young people are going through and their heirs, heirs and whatnot? But I do also think, yeah, they, you could be fighting a loser battle if if you've never if they've never had to engage. Mm. Never had yeah. To. So think, yeah. For example, like my church, they um, you have normal Sunday school, but I think they only have Sunday school up to. And I'm not even saying my church do it the right way or the wrong way. I'm interested mm. to see what you guys think. But um, they go to Sunday school up until ten. Uh, well, primary school age, so like eleven, and then from eleven onwards, they're with the adults um, during during service, mm. right? And, they have like youth like evening sessions on a Friday or whatever, but from eleven onwards they're with the adults. Right. Yeah. And um yeah, I, I don't know I don't know if that's a good thing. I'm not saying I'm not even saying that's the rule, but that's probably how they wanted to tackle it. Um but I do think I do think there is some merit in engaging your young people with the other generations more. And I'm not saying that that means scrap youth church, but I think it would be more helpful on a whole if they do because yeah you don't you don't become an adult at 18 most people like you don't mm. Uh, mm. so yeah uh, long-winded way of um, expressing my thoughts what, what do you guys think about that it's so multifaceted because i feel like there's i have so many thoughts and i'm trying to say how can i say this right <laughs> in, a, in a concise way um cause I, I, I agree with you for me because i had a, a similar background in terms of i was in, in youth church from like well, not for long to be fair from like sixth form to maybe 19 I kind of overstayed my welcome in youth church because I didn't want to go to the main church (laughs) and I had a bit of a it was yeah I just didn't spend much time in the main church it was completely different feel Mm -hmm. and I actually enjoyed the youth church Um, even thinking about it now it it had a lot of foundational building blocks for just like Christian discipline um, that I'm sure still has like fruit in my life today Um, but yeah we didn't have that many but we had youth teachers and we had people who weren't much older than us but were almost like our mentors um but I don't think we I didn't transition well in the main church enough I mean that's not the only reason why I left the church so I have to be fair to them and I I probably wonder if if I did want to stay in the church maybe I would have found ways to get in the church but it's weird it's for me I always I always think about like youth because I've been in churches where there is no youth church Sunday school is after service so you've got people who are like eight listening to in my opinion hefty sermons like I'm not <laughs> expecting an 11 year old to be listen, taking this in I'm just thinking so I think there's a sense of if you're going to have young people in your service think about them and mm. maybe when you're thinking about examples and reference points and explaining stuff you should be thinking there's 12 years or 12 year olds in the building and I want them to engage um and coming coming right back to what you were saying Israel around um, young pastors and I, and as you were saying I was like wow because I feel like of recent I've had such a a very rigid view on young pastors like I'm I'm always like this I'm always scrutinizing oh how old is he oh he's so young he must be a pastor. <laughs> oh gosh he's so young and I think all the negative um thoughts views stereotypes of young men in ministry come into my mind I'm just like oh he just wants to hear himself speak and he just wants to lead. <laughs> and and I've had all these things in mind that 
or when I see young men in ministry, I'm always just like, oh, who's discipling them? Oh, mm. he needs to be in a church where there's older pastors around him. And there's always that fearfulness. I haven't always thought about, Mary, is your standard for these men high, high in a way that isn't actually scriptural? Mm. Um, and are you actually limiting the benefits that these men can actually bring to the body um in a, in a in a way of you know if these if we do have young pastors then they're actually able to engage with people who are younger so that it actually makes those who are young in a church feel like I can stay in this church because I've got people that know me and it doesn't mean you now have to have a pastor that has you know his snap back to the back and he's wearing um big clothes <laughs> what Looking at my Literally, you know how like <laughs> that would always happen when we'd have like youth day or we had a pastor that was hip. Yeah. He would now come with a hat now, yo church. I <laughs> talk to my young want to talk to my young people. I didn't experience uh, that. Yeah, oh, I experienced it all the time. Yeah. Like you now one would wear one like basketball jersey. Oh, I'm just yeah. like, bro, cool. man, you're 40. Like, you're not even <laughs> young, bro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't have to do that. Like that doesn't mm. that's not how you appeal to young people. I mean, there's other ways, but most a simple way is actually just seeing a young person in the church mm. um and that may be one reason why people stay because i i'm very similar to you i know so many people that they went to church at 18 got back from uni and they either left church or stopped going to church they didn't stay in their parents church i mean there's cultural reasons there's traditional reasons as well but yeah there was a mass exodus yeah, around I, that age i always tell my friends just quick i always tell my friend that who goes to the same church you grew up in that he's a not he's he is an anomaly. That like, I don't mm. know many people my age that are in the same church they grew up in. I can count definitely on one hand, probably like one or two that I know personally that they grew up in a church, they still attend that church. And of course people move away. Yeah. And there's loads of reasons. A lot of my friends live in London. <laughs> they live in close proximity to the church they grew up in. Mm. I'm, I'm not even shaming them. I'm one of them, right? And well, I have slightly different reasons for not being in the church. I grew up in, but, <laughs> but I'm not shaming them or judging them. But it's just, it's such an anomaly that someone could go grow up in a church and they still attend there. As in, like my friend, my very very good friend actually, grew up in a church whole life. Now his kids are going to the church. Mm. Oh wow! I don't. Mm. I never see that like ever. Yeah. I, don't, I don't ever see that, and it's great. Like especially if it's a good, solid church, it's great. Like, and he he was telling me the other day that oh, you know, there has been moments where he's like, oh, does he really fit in, and blah blah blah. But he stuck with it, and yeah, like I think that's great. I'm not yeah, saying that's a rule. I'm not saying mm. oh, everyone should be doing that, especially if you're in a church that's not like healthy or not solid or whatever. But but I do think there is some merit in wanting to. Yeah, that that you would even want to stay in that same church you grew up in. Um, yeah, mm. man. Yeah. So why do you think people are leaving church? Like, what are your <laughs> like? What would be your main? Because yeah, I think the the way you kind of opened it, Israel, is that the future, the state of the the church doesn't look good. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the next five to ten years are almost grim. Of course, I mean, we're saying this with very big big picture view of like God will keep His church and God will save people and mm. give you know god will revive and you know in big picture sense you know macro sense god is going to keep his church but it does feel like in a in a very mac- micro sense that things are looking a bit higgy at the moment yeah. so yeah what, what are the reasons why you think people are leaving the church um yeah yeah i mean i i think there's a you know there's a host of reasons the two that i'd want to focus on and y- yeah 
I mean, I think both have this in mind as well. Um, first, and this is one I, I think people mentioned the most, is failure of leadership. Um, mm. A sort of, yeah, just the church not living up to its own standards. Um, and a lot of that's come out with, you know, you hear of um, abuse scandals in the Catholic Church. Um, even the Church of England, I mean, they disbanded their safeguarding committee group people because um, of the way they handled um, an allegation in one of the churches. And so just as like, why would I go to a place that's harmed uh, me, harmed my friends, harmed my family um, and things like that, which I mean, that's probably the hardest one because it is understandable. Like what? no one would want to go to a place that's hurt them. That's just a bodily human reaction. Um, and so it is a real challenge um, for Christians and just a sober reflection of, of its implications. But I think there's another one that I've been thinking about more often. Is I think there's just a general competence gap that mm. that seems to be there. I, 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 so from what I see, like on social media and the news outlets, magazines, books, um, YouTube, I guess, from people who aren't Christians, is this sort of like assumption that the church is not a serious place. Um, like it's, it's not, like it's not the place where you, yeah, like it's almost, you know, they go there for community, which is obviously true and it's, it's, it's needed. But it is, I think the perception is like, it's it's basically a social club for people who have the same religious beliefs. Um, and that social piece is like all that's left. Um, and when I mean like seriousness, um, especially in competences, I think r really being present in the world um, and speaking into issues and really pressing in, um, that was such an evangelical phrase, pressing in. Um, <laughs> we just want to press into it, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Probably heard it from some worship song recently. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I'm trying to find good ways to phrase this, hence the struggle. And maybe I'm, I'm, you, will, you will can probably phrase this better than I can, but just this, this seriousness um, that people long for. I will say this, I'll, end, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll probably add this. The churches that I've seen that are growing um are the ones that do have this general seriousness both about life and about the world and actually like are intentional with how they engage it's not just a coasting um and when i when i see them really sort of their discipleship ministries really forming christians they don't have this confidence in the world confidence in their workplace mm. um a sense that god is actually present with me in the intricacies of life um and it's not just a, a box for me to to tick off that's when i you really see yeah it's sort of the church the specific local church making a difference and being present um to those who are outside of the church i yeah yeah i don't know what you both think of those two reasons no i i definitely agree i mean the first one about like failed leadership um is is key i mean i just at the moment there's like that whole disney doc about 
um, Hillsong, Cowlands. Mm. Um, I was reading another one about the Duggar family or the Duga family, I don't know how to say it. And it feels yeah. like there's just more and more um, documenting of failed pastors, failed leaders, and you're really seeing that hypocrisy. I mean, social media means the world feels so much smaller, so I could go on my feed and see something and be like, oh, who's this pastor? And you can read about them, and then now I have like a, a TikTok seven-parter about them, and you're like, oh, another another failed pastor another scandal um and yeah it does make you feel like what's the point if you man are still you man are just like me basically you're the same um and then the second point along along the line of 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 not equipping something i've been thinking about along the lines of i I feel like in early years in early years of my faith like i was in circles where we would kind of you know mock or laugh at the the pastors or or the churches who wanted to be on like the pulse of everything Mm. um and, you know you might have someone like mike todd for example who always wants to have like a, a a christian response to something or wants to, to be on the pulse um but sometimes I, f- I feel like now like i see that as a desire to to meet a context to see okay this is what the world is is talking about and this is how i equip my people to deal with it and you know a lot of the time there's been a lot of focus on the gospel what the gospel is which is of course paramount mm. and key and f- always the first thing first importance but then there's also a sense in which people have questions about the world they live in and the things that are happening whether it's around sexual ethics whether it's around mental health whether it's around identity and I'm not being equipped with it um and I'm now being met with this sea of of yeah alternate fault and how do I how do I deal with that uh, and I, th- I think for most people, they now go to their, their pastor, they feel that, okay, my pastor has clearly some sort of dissonance and I'm out of here. Like, they don't have the answers mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I, th- I think those are definitely t- two two reasons why people are leaving the church. I think church hurt is, is another one as well, whether it's like, you know, pastor hurt or whether it's people hurt. So, you know, feeling like yeah. the church has, has failed me. So it means like I don't feel safe in the church. I mean, I'm just thinking about the fact that some... There's been cover-ups of abuse. I mean, there's mm. you know, there's one recently. Mm. Ah, for in his name. So is it Soul Survivor? I'm hoping I'm saying it right. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That was actually you're, the you're one. Just... Thank you for mentioning that. That's the one that uh, that um, in part caused the safeguarding team to be disbanded because they handled that. So there's oh, both yeah. the abuse, but then the Church of England just didn't handle it properly. Um, mm. But yeah, so, so sorry, carry yeah. on. Yeah. No, no. I, so, yeah, I think I think that is is definitely there as well. Um, and just, I think a lot of people, I think just in like the black context, I know a lot of people who tell me that they're not atheists, they believe in God, um, but the church, Christianity, mm. that's their parents' religion. That's what their parents believed. You know, every Sunday, you know, you tie gele, you bring stew <laughs> and rice to church, you know, you sing songs, Thanksgiving, you know, nine to, you know, you do your get there at 8 9 a.m you get home at 7 p.m that's my mum's religion that's my dad's religion i'm not on that you know of course i still believe in god you know jesus is lord but that whole church thing with the traditions and its control and its hypocrisy Mm -hmm. i'm good and i've i've met so many people who, who who say that to me basically say yeah i mean i get it you know that's my parents that's that's the african caribbean that's their thing that's their history but you know my me you know 2023 london millennial gen z my i've i've forged my own way and i don't necessarily think that is in the church yeah Hmm. femmes what do you think 
Yeah, um, I think a lot of things. Um, I think the two points that Israel raised were, yeah, yeah, that's a, obviously big reasons why um, people leave the church, um, church hurt, um, you know, church failures. I think going to the second point that Israel made in terms of competency and what church is supposed to look like, I think that's, I think that's the thing that presses on my heart specifically um, because I think we could we could probably talk loads about why people leave church because of lack of faith. I mean, they had faith at one point mm. and they left it. Um, deconstruction mm. um, and and those are all different topics we could talk about. But I think probably what's even more pressing to me, and I guess Mary just alluded to, uh, is is the ones that you know profess some sort of belief. Um, yeah, and don't want to be in church. I think that's what's more pressing to me. Um, I mean, I get why an atheist or someone that's deconstructed doesn't want to be in church, but the ones mm. that do profess some kind of belief and say, you know what, church is not for me. And again, there's so many different reasons. That could have been because of church, right? that could have been Yeah, so many different reasons why people have left church and, um, yeah, still still hold on to some sort of belief, but, you know, don't think church is for them. Um, I, from from my perspective, and I'll, I'll speak from my myself, right, and why... I'd probably say I'm still in a church today. Um, I think at one point in my life, in my Christian walk, I would say church became like very like, it almost, I, I don't know if it was because of my view or because it was the church I was attending. I'm not too sure. I don't want to place blame, but it was like a show. Like I was going to a fair show. Like I was going, mm. I was going, I was going to get worship at this point for like half an hour we get the sermon um, at this point. I'm going to give offering, and then we're going to say hi. I'm going to say hi to my friends, and I'm going to bounce. Right? Um, I'd even serve in that context, but for, for the most part, that's what church was. It was. It, it just felt like a show. And I think if if I kept that mindset, if I stayed in with that viewpoint, or I stayed in that type of environment, I don't think I would have stayed in church for very much longer. Um, mm. if, if that was my viewpoint, because. I, I do think church is supposed to be more to, more than that. And Israel kind of spoke to what church should look like in terms of what they're doing outwardly, what they do in the community, how they disciple. Um, yeah, even how, yeah, even like what Mary was saying, how they touch on certain topics, um, how, yeah, how we relate. Um, I, I think it's so much more than what you get on a Sunday. And I think if you limit it to what you get on a Sunday, that hour and a half or two and a half hours or four hours, if it's an African church, um, if you just limit it to that, um, yeah, I, I can I can understand why you'd wake up one day and say, oh, actually, I don't need it. Or we can go through COVID and like, oh, actually, you know, why, what do I need to step in the, in the foot in the church for? I can watch my favourite pastor online. I can listen to my mm. favourite worship um, group online. Like, what, why why do I need more than what I'm getting? If, that, if that's what church is. If church is, I'm going to get a good sermon because that pastor is really good or I'm going to get great worship. Um because the singers are really, really good. If that's what church becomes, then that the, the idea that you don't need to be physically part of a church um, can make more sense. And I think yeah. what I'm quite passionate about, um, and I think all Christians should be passionate about when it comes to church specifically, is that church is more than that. So like, for example, my church, again, not even to big my church up um, um, too much, but if I'm telling people about my church, like the common thing to do would be like, oh yeah, the past is really good, or the word is really, really good, or you know, the music's really, really good. Um, 
that's that's some of the but that's not if I'm telling someone to come to my church, that's not even part of my my conversations anymore. It's not because any of those things are bad, but it's because those things aren't the be and the end all. Um, mm. The community is important. Um, again, how how people how they disciple people, what mm. what what are they doing with um, how how are the pastors pastoring people? Mm. Uh, uh, there's so many other aspects of church that are so beautiful and so helpful and so edifying for the Christian that goes way deeper than what you hear for in a half an hour sermon. Again, not yeah. um, diminishing that because it's important as well, or it's not you know the worship, how great the worship band is. There's so much more to it. Um, um, I think if you miss that, I th- I think it's my personal thing. I, I do think you can. It's it's not so easy to be. It won't be. It wouldn't be hard to be disillusioned or feel like you don't need to be part of something like that. Um, so I think it's important that people know the broader con- the broader need and broader reason for us as Christians being at church because you don't you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I don't. I'm not saying that. If you don't go to church, you're not saved or you're not a Christian, no. But if you're not aware of how beneficial it is for you and your Christian walk to be in a good, solid, sound, competent, as Israel was saying, church, then you, I, I just think you're missing out on something that God has clearly ordained um, for us. Um, I hope what I said is making sense. I was trying, again, trying to concise all yeah. my thoughts on it, but... There's... I just heard you promoting. I just heard you promoting your church. Like that's. I didn't even say the name. I didn't say the name. I didn't say the name. I didn't say the name. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. There was there was no, a point no, you made hey. about um uh sort of like your favorite pastor on on social media. I think yeah. that's so significant. Um, I think there's a there's a sort of what's the word diffusion of religious authority. Everyone has their own pastor in their pocket, mm. um, which makes listening to whoever is in your local church a lot harder. Oh, yeah. um, even for those who do, who are pretty committed to their own church, um, it's like they like their pastor, though, but then they really like mm. the person they listen to on YouTube as well. Um, I think, it, yes, and I don't know how how you even speak towards that because it feels like at one point, I say this like I'm old. I'm I'm really not old, but at one point, I think there was just, there was a, there was like a period in culture or in Western society where there were only a couple of authoritative voices. You maybe had your politicians, you had the two news channels, you had your pastor, you had you know teacher at school or somewhere. But you had like five or six, maybe seven different authorities in which you interacted with. But now with social media and the internet, you have thousands and thousands and thousands of different voices. Um, and yeah. so it means every single person has a whole different sort of configuration. One member has all these sort of like memoir writing, self-help authorities. Another person is really into Joe Rogan. Another person is listening to Andrew Tate. Another per- And all of those people at your church and you're meant to engage all those voices almost feels impossible. Um, but it, at least it's, I'm looking at this from sort of like the seminary part, uh, pastor position out. It, it makes it hard to know how to speak into just to dive, just, yeah, the, the innumerable voices on Instagram alone um, that everyone has access to. Yeah. 
No, it, it is it is tricky, and I, and I think that's the the need of like local community, because I mean wherever that church is placed, their their focus of course is is everyone, but it's it's really those who they're gonna come in contact with and who's gonna walk through yeah. the doors. Um, and that's where you have to have that that one to one or that that communal contact where who if that person's a part of your church, if their person's a visitor, they feel loved, they feel cared for. Um, because yeah, that that authoritative voice that you have on social media or, or wherever it is, politics or whatever um avenue doesn't know you. Mm. Um whereas those in your local community do and I, and I think I've been feeling like a very strong passion around like serving the needs of my local community as opposed to just the world um mm. not like the world doesn't need of course it does but that whole that importance of a local context and local community and and serving people in your area and who you know and, and who you see every day feels a lot more of a challenge for me um because you, you see their faces you can't just hide behind a, a wall type thing um mm. and that that i mean if the, a church is preaching the gospel church is serving their community a, a church is is loving people charitably um is serving being sacrificial um that should be appealing to, to the watching world um yeah it should be appealing mm-hmm. and i think i think there's there's still those remnants i think people still look to the church to be a place of truth a place mm. of holiness mm. a place of morality ethics um so, and i and i think that i i pray that is like just common grace um that, yeah the god is still working in, in the hearts of the world even to know that okay i don't i don't you know i don't mess with the church but i ain't gonna go and steal from the church i ain't gonna go and deface the church i didn't see you know the J- just stop oil protesters now mm. spraying orange yeah you know at the church I, I don't know i mean they may not want to because of that whole whole sense of it um but yeah i feel like this this episode has been a bit like you know jump on <laughs> the church type thing I, i'm hoping it's it's more like a conversation around you know some of the things you were reading I, and it helps yeah. people who are listening to reflect on their local context more than anything um I don't know if Israel, you're going to say anything else. No, I, I mean to, to your point, because um, yeah, yeah, I think it it might sound like this is more just you know here's all the things that aren't going well, um, <laughs> and and sometimes those conversations are needed. You know, Ecclesiastes three there's a season for everything, but um, mm. yeah, I think that and I'm feeling this particularly coming out of those annual meetings and um, demographic data reports and stuff like that, but I think. Everyone can tell to some degree that post-COVID it really is a sh- like a you know a turning point in our culture, a large Western society, whatever you would have it. Um, and I think that requires all of us Christians, non-Christians, even I think, in assessing faith, um, pastors, um, church leadership, to really think about what God is calling us to do in this sort of changing point where things are very markedly different um even from like early 2010s um it's going to require a lot of reflection and so this is probably yeah hopefully this is one reflection one conversation amongst all of those sorts of conversations as opposed to like the the be all and end all Mm. yeah for sure for sure were you gonna say anything no no i i think yeah, again, I'll just um, implore, or especially 
well, all people to not abandon church, but especially if you if you say you're a believer in Christ, to give church a chance. I think um, what I was thinking about just now was a lot of it just comes down to trust as well, mm. and that whether it is trusting trust in God or trust in a pastor to lead you, trust in fellow congregants because maybe you've been hurt before and you've lost trust um, for people. Um, and that's why you couldn't see yourself stepping into a church again. But um, yeah, God is in control. Um, God has ordained this uh, the beauty that is church. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, let's let's get back to trusting in God. Yeah, um, and then hopefully the rest will take care of itself. Um, Amen, man. Yeah. Amen. That's a word. Thank you so much, Pastor Femi. I really appreciate Indeed. it. What, yeah, church you, what church are you passing into? Uh, can you say the address? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be announcing it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that brew exclusive. Good evening for the next episode. Uh, that would be fantastic, by the way. Nah. But no, Femi, man, I think about that calling still. <laughs> you seem like you're passionate about the church in a vocational full time. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Let me hold on, Israel. Israel. This was really important the salaries, so I was like, no. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> this was what? This was what? Oh, you put the salary. Oh, man. I'm a church leader, boy. You're doing strike. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, hope the, I hope the clergy got their pay rise, though, because I'm, I'm supporting these strikes. Everyone yeah. needs to get that. <laughs> it's so real. It's so real. Inflation has just been hitting. Everybody. Bro, ah, bro, my goodness, it's yeah, bro. I wish I can't even be on that review board, but I'd be like, Isn't God your sufficiency? <laughs> Don't you have all things in Christ? You're actually asking for you're asking for more money, isn't that worldly? Oh, <laughs> they have to remove me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but no, I think we, I think we can close it there. Yeah. This is a good episode in terms of just the conversations. Yeah. Encourage me, small, had me worried for a bit, and then you know encourage me again so definitely yeah. appreciate the time with you guys man yeah, yeah that was episode seven season five uh yeah. but Berea, with pastor femi and pastor israel i'm <laughs> 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 pastor mary oh that's what Mr. oh controversial <laughs> controversial <laughs> the next episode <laughs> Oh, that killed me. 